This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 46 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the whole world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's topic is sponsored by Equestrian Collections. The whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. Enjoy today's tip. I'm Glenn Geek from Lexington, Kentucky, and you're listening to Horse Tip Daily. Today I have someone with me who's been on the show before, but not live. We've used some of his video tips that he did for Equestrian Life. And he saw that we used some of his tips and gave me a call and said, why don't we do some live so we could actually chat about them? So we did. Rick Gore is from Rick Gore Horsemanship. Rick is a trainer, a clinician, and an all-around horseman. Rick Gore Horsemanship is about the horse teaching you about yourself. Rick answers questions about horse problems and issues on several, several websites and writes articles for a few others. We are thrilled to have him with us in person this time, and we'll get to Rick right after we speak about all the great fall and winter stuff that is now arriving at Equestrian Collections. Go to equestriancollections.com today and check out all the fantastic fall merchandise that is now in stock for you and your horse. From coats and jackets by many leading manufacturers like Horseware, Ariat, Tough Rider, Iridian, and many more, all at fantastic prices. Look to Equestrian Collections first for all your fall and winter clothing needs, as they have everything you need. Check them out. You'll love them. You'll love their prices. And you can also follow them on Facebook. They have one of the most active Facebook fan pages. Just go to your Facebook and search up in the upper right-hand corner there. For Equestrian Collections, become a fan and join in on all the great discussions going on at their fan page. And don't forget, just for our Horse Radio Network listeners, they have a coupon that you can use. You can get $10 off any order of $120 or more. Just use the coupon code STABLESCOOP. Two separate words, STABLESCOOP, like the other show we do. Uh, Use that at checkout, and they'll give you $10 off your next order of $120 or more. That's coupon code STABLESCOOP at equestriancollections.com. Well, here's Rick. Well, hi, Rick, and welcome to Horse Tip Daily. We appreciate you being on. Well, thank you, and I appreciate being here. I'm glad I can help out in any way. And actually, you've been on before, uh, sort of in abstentia. Um, you you were actually have done two tips for us before through our friends at Equestrian Life. You had done some video tips for them, and we used a couple of those on our show, and we really appreciate the fact that Equestrian Life allowed us to do that, and, and you as well. But it's going to be much more fun actually talking to you. Well, good. I'm glad. Yeah, Equestrian Life's a great site. There's good people that run that, and uh, they've done a lot of good tips and a lot of good videos, and they're really helping the horses out. So I'm, I'm glad to be a part of that and help out any way I can. I wanted to say to everybody that uh, you can hear Rick's two previous tips that we've done. Uh, that was on episode 11. It was on sacking out, which I thoroughly enjoyed that one, by the way. And also on episode 38 on rope halters. So you can go to horsetipdaily.com and hear his previous tips. We weren't conversing then, but we are now, and it's so good to have you here. Now, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got into horses, that kind of thing. Well, I guess I got into horses just being growing up in Texas and uh, riding them as a kid and knowing people that had horses and um, just always had a love for animals. Ended up going in the Air Force and uh, trained dogs for about 18 years in the Air Force. 
So um, dogs, train dogs and horses, the same kind of principles of conditioning there when, you, when you're training them and always been around riding them. And probably, you know, 15 years ago, I really started getting back into them and studying them. And there's so much information available out there that it just, you know, when you're a kid, you get on a horse, you just get on and hang on and don't hit the ground and you're pretty much doing okay. And as you get a little bit older, you, you start realizing that there's a whole lot more to a horse than just to jump on and hang on. And, um, you know, all the information that's out there now is just really, there's just such a wealth of information that being a part of this growing technology or understanding of a horse, is it, it, it's really neat to be a part of it and to uh, try and help out new people getting into it. Well, and you have a great website, and I love the title. Uh, I love your address, thinklikeahorse.org. <clears throat> and it's, uh, I, there's a lot of good tips on there as well, and we'll, we'll make sure everybody knows. I'll put that in the show notes as well to go check that out. But you you actually recently retired. You live in California, right? I do. I, and you said you were a policeman before. You, you just retired as a policeman from there? I did. Oh, good. So so Air Force and the and the uh, police. Did you did, Were you ever involved with the mounted units at all? Uh, a little bit, just working with them or, or working around them. I, I, the agency that I worked with didn't have mounted units, so I never got to really work with it. Uh, you know, I was even considering maybe working part time for San Francisco and going to work with their mounted unit because they have a pretty good mounted unit. But with budget crisis and money and everything, and like everything else, horses are kind of at the bottom end and they tend to get cut first. So I, I hear a lot of the mounting units are going away because of upkeep on the horse and the time and training, et cetera. So that's kind of unfortunate thing for the horses. Yeah, which is very sad because I think they, they are very effective in what they do in, in cities. Uh, oh, they're, they're huge. I mean, they're, they're, it, it, I mean, if you're looking in crop control, and, and there's actually a new company that's a, it's a mounted patrol that they're hiring people, and they work concerts, et cetera, has like private security, and they go through a training where your horse is sacked out and passes these tests, and then they actually go out and they're subcontracted at concert events huh. and state fairs and things. And that way the law enforcement have to do it, but they, you know, the weather security, they get a high visibility. They're sitting on top of the horse. I heard my, <laughs> um, and that, that's, that's going to be the new thing. I think it's going to be subcontracted out to these private organizations. The private security are going to be private mounted. Well, that's pretty cool, actually. Well, good. Well, what do you have for us today? We wanted to talk a little bit about the bigger picture, didn't we? We did, um, and I guess I, w- w- when you're talking about a horse, it's it's oh, when we're kids, we see horses as just you know these big, gentle creatures that are strong and 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 you know they're lovable and they like to eat carrots from us and they let us get on their back and they walk us around. But as we get older and and, and you know to, to own a horse nowadays, you, you kind of you got to have some property, you got to have a little bit of money, you got to have some time, you got to be able to. Uh, you know, to keep your horse somewhere and feed him and do all the things. And you're getting a lot of new people into horses that didn't really grow up on a farm. They didn't have every neighbor had a horse and horses were getting out and you were catching your neighbor's horses and you were feeding your horses every morning. So you don't have that good foundation. So You know, know too, Rick, we just read a report the other day that on the retail side, they've, they've done studies recently that show that the over 40 kids are getting out of the house, uh, the, the woman of the family is starting to get into horses for the first time. They've always wanted to do it. That's the biggest growing population of the horse world is the after-kids women who are getting into horses. 
it, it, it's huge. And if you if you go to any of the horse shows now, <laughs> yeah, it's not I, I all teenagers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not only is it not teenagers, I get pink eye from pink blankets and pink lead ropes and <laughs> pink chaps. <laughs> but that's where the market is. I'm telling you, like I think they say right now, eighty percent of all horse owners are women. And I mean, to me, that's just a huge stat because, like you said, either there's a lot more opportunity now. People are able to afford it. They're getting to where they can enjoy it, and and they want to get back into it. That's correct. Um, you, know, you know, that's true. In, in it, probably it's ninety five percent on the English side. It, it's it's oh, it's yeah, huge. On I the agree. English side. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's even bigger on the English. Yep. And you know, and, and I guess you know, the only way that you're going to get into horses now is because. You know, I forgot who said it, but in one of the books or, or someone was saying, are horses better off now because people that own them choose to own them or were they better off back in the 1900s when you owned them because you had to? Well, that's and, in- and it's-, it's interesting you say that because I just had a conversation with an older fellow the other day who was talking about how much horse knowledge we have lost because we're not using horses as a mandatory thing, we're using them as a voluntary thing now. And and you know, I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, heart of Amish country, and obviously for them, it's sort of a mandatory thing. But so we've sort of lost that generation between the, the between the First World War and and the Vietnam War. That generation that owned horses because they had to; they had no other means of transportation or doing work. We sort of lost the knowledge base that went through that whole generation there. Well, and not only did you lose the knowledge base, you, you lost all that just experience from everybody. Had you know, it, it would be hard to find a kid now that doesn't that's never been on a computer. Right. And back in the 1900s, you could say that it would be hard to find a family or a kid that hasn't been on a horse or been around a horse. It would have been tough. Yeah, you would have had to go to town. <laughs> so <laughs> you, yeah, you had to. I mean, it was just you fed. You were around them, so there's this this huge amount of experience of just learning safety and getting hurt. You know, horses teach great lessons, but they're usually pretty costly. And when you see someone else learn a lesson, you can learn from their pain. So you lose all that now because you're getting people who get into horses and they're just selling, and a lot of them don't even use them. They, they get them more for a pet, either a pasture made for their horse, they got some property, they let them, they go out there and they just feed them, or they want to ride them and they want to do more, but they're scared and, and they don't have the confidence or they don't they have that understanding to really get out and have a connection and a relationship with their horse because they just don't have that. And it's not so common. And you have to seek out a trainer or seek out, you know, a, a video or a book or, or something, and you pretty much are dependent on whoever will you can either find to pay or who will share information with you. And, you know, we were talking about it earlier, and it comes back to, to the point we wanted to get to today is that you just mentioned books and videos and, and my shows, for that matter. We do five different shows here on the network. Horse Tip Daily is a perfect example. Is you can't, talking about the bigger picture, you have to look at it as a whole, not just the bits and pieces that you may come across in your travels. Well, and I think that's a real misunderstanding out there in the horse community because I, I, I go to these expos or these horse shows or these clinics, and I see all these people who are, you know, 
really trying to learn and they're watching with such intensity and they're just like, oh my God, look at what this guy can do to a horse. But unfortunately, there's so much more going on that you don't see and that you don't understand. It, it really is a lifelong journey and any old horseman will tell you that. Everything that I've learned comes from pain, hurt, mistakes, a lot of horses with a lot of patience teaching a lot of lessons. And, and experience is the best teacher. And you can't really go out and get experience by watching a clinic or by listening to your horse tip. All those things will help, but unless you can apply it and see how it works and understand why it's not working and understand why it's you and it's not, you know, well, I did the same thing that Clinton Anderson did, and by gosh, my horse doesn't do it, so it must be my horse. And, and unfortunately, it's not. It, 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 I get this all the time from people. My horse does this, and I say, he won't do it if I handle it. And they go, oh, no, that's not true. He does it for everybody. And then I'll go do it, and then the horse will really respond well, and they're like, oh, well, you have a gift, or, or this must be a man's horse. And it just kills me when they give me all these reasons. I'm like, no, those are, that ain't the reason. See, you're trying to make this, it's a horse or it's me. Well, you're right where it's me because a horse is just a reflection of who's handling it. So if you do something right, your horse will do something right. People don't want to accept that when, they, when, they, when their horse does something wrong, they automatically want to blame the horse. You know, it's, oh, man, this horse is stubborn, or this horse was abused, or this horse is skittish, or this horse has bad breeding. It doesn't matter. What matters is how what you are doing to causing the horse to do what it does. You know, if I want a horse to follow me, and I walk off, and I tell the horse to come, and I give him all good body cues, and he follows me, then I did that right because the horse did what I wanted. But if I grab the lead rope and I say, come, and I try to yank him, and the horse rears back because I yank him and I scare him and he runs off, I can't blame that on the horse. I didn't do it right. I asked him wrong, so therefore I got the wrong answer. And that's what I think the big picture out there is that a lot of people, they, they want to watch, you know, and I'm not, I'm not cracking on any clinician or I'm not being negative on RFDTV or your show or websites. There's a lot of information, and I encourage people to gather and, and listen and learn as much as they can. But they need to realize when something doesn't work, you can't blame the horse network. You can't blame Clinton Anderson. You can't blame RFTD. You, you just can't blame somebody else. If the horse didn't do what you wanted, you need to accept responsibility. That's why horses make us better, because they make sure we know what we're doing. And if we don't, they're going to let us know. And they let us know by not doing the right thing, by not giving us the right answer. That's the only way they can do it because they're like, you know what? If you don't ask me right, if you don't make me understand, if you don't make it clear, I'm going to do what I think a horse should do. And it's not wrong, and it's not mean, and it's not because he had bad breeding. It's because the person handling them didn't do it right. So if we change what we do, the horse will change what it does. And that's so hard to, I mean, for all of us, we're human, you know, none yep. of us like to think we're the problem. Right. Uh, but, it, but it's so hard and you're so right. I mean, how many times have all of us that have been around the horse world for a long, long time, how many times have we seen that? And, you know, I think that that partly, partly comes with maturity, but I think that there are a lot of people that just don't mature past that point either. I mean. Uh, well, well, it is maturity, but like I said, horses teach hard lessons. I mean, but, but you remember when a horse teaches you a lesson, you remember it. 
Yeah. You know, I could tell people a uh, hundred. <laughs> and as you get older, it hurts, it hurts a lot more. Longer. I can tell you that. Right, Chuck, <laughs> yep, I agree. <laughs> you know, you, you just—it's horrible. It's, you just—they're like, you know what? I can't afford to do that. I used to, you know, oh, ride the buck out, get on my horse, let him buck a little. Bit. You know, as you get smarter and older, it's like, you know what? That's kind of hard on the horse. It's hard on me. Isn't there an easier way? Can't we do this a better way? And when you start looking at yourself, okay. The horse just did this. I just went out, you know, people, here's a good one. I can't catch my horse. My horse is skittish, and he runs away in pasture, and I can't catch him. You know what? If you can't catch him, then you're doing something wrong. Because I guarantee you, most horses can be caught if they, if somebody goes out there and shows them, I know how to talk like a horse, I know how to be a horse, and I know I'm higher horse than you are. And once you show that to a horse, you can catch any horse. But people want to go out there in a hurry. I only got 10 minutes. I got to get back to work. I don't have time tonight. I got to feed them. They get in a hurry. The horse is like, uh-oh, why are they in a hurry? What's going on? I, I'm kind of nervous, and they run off. And next thing you know, I can't catch my horse, and my horse runs away from me. Well, that's because you caused it. You were doing something that is communicating to the horse. I don't care what it is. You know, they're like, no, I watched Clinton, and I did exactly what he did. No, you didn't. I watched Pat Burley. I went through his whole list of books and checklists, and I do exactly what he did, and it didn't work. Well, you, you didn't do it because if Clinton or Pat would do it, I, it would it would work because trainers work, and I don't like that term, but anybody that is a horseman and understands a horse, that's all the horses they work with, the horses that supposedly have problems. And I say that in quotes because I don't think any problem is a horse problem. It's usually a people problem. And when a good horseman works with a horse, normally they get good results. So as soon as people start looking at the big picture and they really start self-evaluating and being critical on themselves and saying, why did my horse do that? What did I do? Let me try to do this or let me try to be softer or let me try to somehow change what I'm doing and the horse will change what it does. It's just basic horse knowledge, but it sounds easy and it sounds like words, but until it clicks in your head and until you see it, and really understand it, it's really hard to apply it. All right, Rick. Well, we're playing running out of time this time. Where, where can people find out more about you? Is the best place your website? Sure, yeah. They, they can go to the website. It's free. It's got information. And, uh, you know, I, I just put it up there basically to try and help people who are looking for some answers. And, um, you know, if they want to read it, it's got some good history. It's got some good tips. Uh, I, t- I talk about round pinning and, and horsemanship and it's basically all about to help people understand a horse better, and it, and it kind of hopefully will get them to understand, you know what, if I, if I get better, my horse will get better. So look to yourself for the problem, and usually your horse problems will go away. All right, great, and that's thinklikeahorse.org. Well, Rick, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, you have a great day. We'll right, talk to you later again. It was good to have Rick on in person and actually speak to him. It was a lot of fun going back and forth there. And remember, you can see Rick's bio with all the links to his websites and, and everything he talked about there on our website at horsetipdaily.com. Just look at the bios. Find Rick Gore. That's Rick Gore, G-O-R-E, and you'll find him there on the list. You can check him out, check out his bio, and uh, some we have some pictures there and, and all the links to his website. He's lots of great information on his website. And also you can drop me an email at glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. 
And you can we encourage you to subscribe to the show through iTunes or Zoom so you don't miss a day. You won't miss any days that way. They'll automatically be downloaded to your player, and you can listen while you're cleaning the barn, driving down the road, or at work, whatever you want to do there. You can do that right off of iTunes or Zoom or off of our website at horsetipdaily.com. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the network at horseradionetwork.com. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone. 